Ever since week four of this football season, we've ripped the Oklahoma defense, and deservedly so. Overall, this year, the Sooners have been below average at best on that side of the ball. But here's the weird thing about the Sooners' D. In the five biggest games of the year, Ohio State, Texas, Oklahoma State, TCU, and then TCU again, Oklahoma played four of its best defensive games of the season. And even in the Oklahoma State game, a game that saw the Sooners' D get torched for 38 points in the first half, when OU needed a stop to save its season late against the Cowboys, the Sooners got it. This information is useful now that Oklahoma has taken care of business and punched a ticket to the college football playoff. Every game from here on out falls into the biggest game of the year category. And if we get the same Sooners defense in the playoff that we've seen so far in big games this year, ain't nobody beating Oklahoma the rest of the way. Nobody. I'm Lee Benson, and this is West of Everest. TCU starts its day with a Kyle Hicks run. Nowhere to go, and the ball comes out. Scooped up and taken into the end zone for a touchdown. Scoop and score, Caleb Kelly. Disastrous start, TCU. Caleb Kelly welcomes us into this edition of West of Everest. I thought after my opening take on the defense, it was only fitting that we open the show with one of, if not the most exciting defensive plays of the season. The Sooners forced a pair of TCU turnovers Saturday that was turned into 10 points, and OU thumped the Frogs for the second time in three weeks, 41-17. And with that win, the Sooners punched their ticket to the playoff for the second time in the past three years. I could not be more excited to watch this team play on a huge stage in front of the entire country. Joining me as always, my brother Grant. Hey Grant, I gotta say your Big 12 championship game prediction was a lot more accurate than mine last week, so congratulations on the pick, and congratulations to you and all the other Sooners supporters out there. You know, Lee, it's just all about that gut pick. I I knew I had to go with my gut there, and I just had a feeling that the game, for the most part, wasn't going to be particularly competitive. Um... And they proved me right. I, I just kind of felt like this team is, uh, this has a feeling of a team that's sort of on a mission and nothing really was going to get in their way. And as the game progressed yesterday, I feel like that became more and more clear, um, especially after you know TCU had clawed back and, and they had tied the game. Uh, just the, the way in which this team responded, uh, just calmly and efficiently taking control of the game from that point on, I thought was really, really impressive. Um, this is a special team, a really special team, and, and we're going to get to see them uh, compete in a really special venue and in a special game, and I think it's something that this entire fan base should be incredibly excited about. One of the first times all year I had kind of a feeling or a gut feeling on something, and I thought the game would be a lot closer than it was, and it, it wasn't, and and it was one of those things where if I was just would have trusted my gut, uh, I take that back, trusted what I saw on film and what I know about Oklahoma, I would have gone with a more, you know, they're going to win convincingly. But I, I was really, I was really thrown by the fact that it was the second time TCU's defense had seen Oklahoma's offense in person, which no other team had had that opportunity so far this year. So that's what gave me pause, and I'm more than happy that I was wrong about that. And it was refreshing and nice to see Oklahoma's offense play as well again, and the defense, of course, playing as well as the Sooners did. So. We're through the regular season. We're through championship Saturday. The playoff is set. OU is exactly where the Sooners want it to be. Of course, Grant and I will discuss the playoff field on this podcast, but before we get to that, let's talk about OU's thorough beatdown of TCU on Saturday. 
By the way, if you don't care about the Game Breakdown talk, just check the episode details there in iTunes or on SoundCloud, and then just fast forward to later in the show when we start talking about the playoff, and we'll talk about Oklahoma's next opponent, which is the Georgia Bulldogs. So first off, let's talk about the Sooners' defense against TCU. And Grant, I came away incredibly impressed with OU's performance in that game, and it was a game where the Sooners were able to set the tone from the very first play from scrimmage when the entire defensive line, the entire front seven, really, especially Imani Bledsoe, dominated TCU's offensive line, forced a fumble, and Caleb Kelly took it to the house for a touchdown. Just an incredible way to start the game defensively. Yeah, I think that was just a, a way to set the tone uh, for for what happened the rest of the game. And it was really nice to see. I mean, right off the bat like that, just seeing a, a big defensive play, uh, you know, something we, we haven't seen a defensive touchdown scored since week three against Tulane. Um, so it's nice, you know, I, I think, I think, you know, the, especially the last couple of months, we've just been kind of grasping at straws, trying to find, you know, maybe that one moment that the defense has maybe, uh, turned the corner. And I thought maybe, you know, if, if they could force a turnover and, and perhaps score on it at some point in time here in the new future, maybe that would, uh, that would spark them. So that was obviously really good to see, uh, you know, right from the get go on Saturday. So you know, hopefully this is just you know more to come. I, I feel like they've 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 gotten a little unlucky this year, and in, in, um, in the turnover department, they've they just really haven't forced a lot of turnovers this year. Part of that is just because the defense hasn't been that good, and I think part you know the other part of it is that they just they they haven't been on the right side of uh, you know some of, some of the bounces and some of the luck that that's associated with it. Um, but you know, if, if that starts to turn, you know, if they can, if you know. For example, in the in the, in the playoff, if they can turn their uh, the opposition over two times, I think they're gonna the, the defense is gonna give the offense you know a, a really good opportunity to win the game for them. Oh man, Oklahoma's offense getting two extra possessions in a playoff scenario. Oh, I'd love that. I'd love that. And I also love this after the game. Mike Stoops. I loved his quote. It was very um, aware. And it's, it's certainly something that all Oklahoma supporters and fans are, are thinking and know. And it's nice to know that Mike Stoops and the rest of the coaching staff know this too. Stoops said, quote, my message is we're either going to get there or we're not. And it's going to be because of us. And by us, he means the defense. We would rather do it the good way. And that's all we have talked about the last three weeks. We don't want to be the cause of us not getting to where we want to go. We want to be the reason we're going where we're going. And that's the attitude we took. Mike Stoops knows that it's on him and his defense to play relatively well. And if that happens, Oklahoma is going to win the national championship because the offense is so, so good. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, we've we've been we've been pounding on it for for two, three months now. That that this defense, they just need to play complementary defense. Uh, they just need to be the reason, you know, as Mike Stoops said, they just need to be the reason why they don't lose. Um, and if they can, you know, like I keep saying, if they can get three stops per half, they're really going to put the team in a really good position to win the game. I, I really do believe because I, I I just don't think there's any defense in the country that that can put the, the lid on Baker Mayfield in this offense for you know, for more than a quarter, to be honest with you. I thought the Oklahoma secondary played particularly well. I wasn't, I wasn't happy about the first touchdown Oklahoma allowed on the, uh, the nice touchdown pass from uh, Kenny Hill to, I think, was it Jalen Rager it was, who made the it touchdown was Rager, catch? Yes, it was Rager. And I just, I didn't like the play call defensively. I didn't like blitzing from the free safety spot and putting Parnell Motley on an island there. And, and Motley just, uh, he, he's, he's not the best corner right now. He was at one point this year. But Trey Nord's playing better. I didn't like the idea of putting him on an island on third and 15. I just don't understand third and 15. I hate giving up 
third and long. So I didn't like that. But after that, honestly, though, there really wasn't that many busts. And TCU only had one big play, if you will. I, I, I guess two if you want to count the touchdown pass. But they only had one play of 30-plus yards, and it was that Kyle Hicks screen pass where he caught it and, and broke some tackles or made some guys miss and, and got down the field. But other than that, Oklahoma's defense didn't allow any big plays and that's a stark contrast to what the Sooners had done against, heck, even West Virginia last week. West Virginia was able to get some, uh, you know, a couple of big plays, especially out of the Wildcats. So it was nice to see the big plays were severely limited in a game Oklahoma needed to win. And I think that's the recipe of success uh, going forward in the playoff. And that kind of has been the entire season. They're, on a play-by-play basis, their defense has been very similar to last year, whereas it wasn't bad. It was just kind of average right in the middle of the pack in all of college football. Uh, the big difference this year is is just their propensity to give up you know, lots and lots of big plays. Um, you know, if, if, if they're able to limit those, cut those in half, they're, they're really going to give uh, – they, they, they don't need a dominant defensive performance with, with this offense. So uh, it's just – it's just making the good plays, making the plays that you have to make. You don't have to make any of the superhuman plays. Um, it's just keeping everything in front of you, making sure you don't get uh, beat deep. And, and like we keep saying, getting the ball back to that offense as fast as humanly possible. And how about Oklahoma's defense flipping the script on TCU compared to the first game? The big story, or one of the big stories I'm sure TCU took away from that first meeting in Norman is the Horn Frogs defense holding Oklahoma scoreless after halftime. Well, now we get to this past Saturday in Arlington, and it's the Sooners' defense pitching a shutout after halftime. And that was so, so impressive to me that TCU had a little bit of momentum going into the locker room. They kicked that field goal. They made it a, 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 a one-possession game, getting the football back to start the third quarter. And what did the Sooners' defense do? Right off the bat, forced a three and out, and then Oklahoma's offense took the ball and was in the end zone, and a minute hadn't even gone off the clock yet in the third quarter. But back real quick, though, to the, the defense, Grant, only 95 yards allowed in the second half and only four TCU first downs allowed. That's just that's awesome. I mean, we get that performance in any half against Georgia, whether it's the first half against Georgia or the second half against Georgia. Oklahoma is going to win that game easily. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think we're kind of starting to see a trend uh we're we're starting to see something that we wish that we would have seen in October during that you know, that stretch run against Iowa State and Texas and Kansas State and, and and even a bit of that Texas Tech game where they got shredded right at the beginning of the game. But we kind of started to see a turn in that Texas Tech game also, where the offense would score quickly. They they'd move it up and down the you know the field at will, but the defense just couldn't couldn't string together a couple stops, uh, you know, to create space between the other team. Now we're starting to see that in the last handful of games. In fact, I, we've seen it now since the uh, since the Oklahoma State game. Every single game, the defense has been able to string together stops and be able to build up that lead. And, and that I, I I'm starting to think that's really all it's going to take for for this defense. I, I mean, just even in the first half, I, I think they if in any game if they can string together two or three stops in a row, it, it almost feels like at this point game over. Does it not? Yeah, it does. And. and- you know, there was definitely some pause against TCU whenever the Horn Frogs came back and, and after they fell behind by 17 points, they scored the next two touchdowns and it was 17-14. Uh, you know, obviously, it was still early in the game and there was never really any thoughts of like, oh my gosh, uh, Oklahoma might lose this one. It never got to that, but um, that was really it. And and from then on out, Oklahoma, Oklahoma's defense, especially in the, in the last 30 minutes and you know, holding TCU to a field goal at the end of the, the first half as opposed to a touchdown, 
that was nice. That was big. Uh, but yes, to uh, to go back to your point, assuredly, if Oklahoma's defense against Georgia at any point in that game against Georgia is able to string together two or three consecutive stops, you know, uh, that's great. I mean, it's it's just because and and you know the bar is so low <laughs> for Oklahoma's defense. So the fact that that's where we're at, where if they can get a, you know two three stops in a row and and you feel really confident in Oklahoma winning the game. I guess that's a good thing, considering Oklahoma's defense has played some of its best football in the biggest games of the year. And and just to be clear, I was defining big games as games going into it. You and I and the Sooners fan base, really, it, it wasn't a slam dunk that Oklahoma's going to win the game. And and I think those were the five games this year we're going in. It was like, well, I don't know. It could go either way. And obviously, the game Oklahoma lost was a game that we all thought the Sooners would win anyways. Yeah, I, I mean, I think th- this team is obviously starting to take on the look of a team that is more dominant, um, that is taking care of their business. And just to go back to that too, you, you did mention you know TCU cut the lead to seventeen to fourteen. I think earlier I had mistakenly said they tied the game. They didn't tie the game. They got within three. Um, I, I just I, I just want to bring up, and maybe I'll talk about this more when we when we transition to talking about the offense. Um, but when TCU responded after being down 17 to nothing, and, and, and honestly, really what it was, it was TCU making a lot of really nice plays and a, a lot of really nice play calls, I thought. Um, uh, obviously, Kenny Hill dropping the, you know, dropping the ball in the bucket a couple times, and that, that amazing catch by John Diars on the, on, on the sideline in the end zone was an incredible play. Not a whole lot you can do about any of that stuff, but I, I, I want to go back to how, just with the makeup of this team, um, how TC, you know, TCU uh, absorbed OU's first punch, and then they came back and, and they responded, got within three, and then just the the amount of poise that the Sooners showed, and and just the amount of efficiency, and and the way that they were able to just kind of step on the throat of TCU right when they when when they got there, uh, when they got closer, and they were able to just separate themselves, and it was quick too, uh, right away in in the third quarter, it was twenty four to seventeen. TCU runs three plays in about fifteen seconds and goes three and out, um, and then OU scores the you know their very first play uh, later, and then after that it, it kind of felt like the game was over, and then to add you know one more on for you know for good luck was uh was I thought really impressive too and something that I don't think that we've seen this season up until this this kind of second half of November um OU is is absolutely playing like you know one of the best teams in the country right now and and I think they have as good a shot as anybody to win the national championship here's the big question that I've got for TCU and if there's any TCU fans listening and and they've watched a lot of college football this season they've watched more than just TCU maybe they've watched a bunch of Oklahoma as well they had to been thinking to themselves when are the frogs going to run the wildcat when are they going to put somebody back there and run the wildcat it never happened Grant why didn't TCU try to do that against Oklahoma's defense not sure I, I maybe they thought going into I, Mike Stoops had even said going into that, that they the wildcat against West Virginia had surprised them and, and maybe they thought they just didn't really have the personnel for it or even though they did run a little bit of it uh the game in Norman a few weeks ago so uh you know yeah I mean it beats me because I I mean I I'm fairly confident that we're definitely going to see some wildcat from Georgia in a month um but there's no doubt about yeah, it. No and I doubt. guess Georgia calls it the wild dog. Yeah, they they do a lot of wildcat. They're 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 more of a traditional offense. They 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 don't look uh, um, 
they don't really look a lot like a lot of the Big 12 offenses, but they're a team that really spreads you out and runs the ball. So that'll be an interesting matchup for sure. I mean, they're going to see uh, the opponents, especially Kansas State and West Virginia, having success in the Wildcat against Oklahoma. And I I have no doubt that, that George is going to have some Wildcat wrinkles for the Sooners. But, you know, fortunately, I... I'm assuming Mike Stoops is smart enough to realize that, and he, he's got he's got four weeks uh, to prepare for that game. Before we talk about the OU offense, I want to remind you that West of Everest is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. We thank all of you who have subscribed and left a rating and or a review so far on iTunes. Coming up a little later on in the show, we've got a listener question that Grant and I will answer. If you'd like to ask us a question about anything, you can email the show, westofeverest at gmail.com. I'll put the email also in the iTunes episode notes in case you don't have a chance to write it down right now. Again, westofeverest at gmail.com. And really, Grant and I just can't thank you all enough for listening into the podcast. It's been a great a great season and uh, an amazing first go at it, and it's just been icing on the cake that Oklahoma has been able to play as well as the Sooners have, and, and now we're still going, and we're still talking about Oklahoma football, playing some meaningful game, at least one more meaningful game, hopefully two more meaningful games moving forward. To the OU offense and the TCU defense, you know, on this side of the football grant, although Oklahoma's offense was very good yet again, I thought it was kind of a weird game. I kept looking at the box score and then and the team stats kind of in the second quarter, late third quarter. And I, I anticipated Oklahoma to have a lot more yards than the Sooners did. It, it was a game where Oklahoma didn't really gain at as many yards as I thought. In fact, fewer yards than the last time Oklahoma played TCU. But the Sooners were able to score more points in this game. So it's in a weird way. You know, I, I think I texted you. It reminded me a lot of what what Penn State had done in the first about six weeks of the year where everyone was saying how awesome their offense was. But really, when you looked inside the numbers, their defense was kind of giving them short fields and they didn't have that many yards, but they were able to put a lot of points on the board because they were taking advantage of a lot of turnovers forced by their defense. And Oklahoma's defense obviously scored a touchdown in the game. Um, but it was just it was to me it was a weird game that Oklahoma wasn't able to get as many yards as they normally did, but they were able to score 41 points. And it's I mean Oklahoma didn't need to. It was kind of you know in, instead of for 30 minutes like the first time they played TCU where they kind of took the air out of the ball and tried to make the game shorter. It was more like in this game when the fourth quarter got there and like the late the latter parts of the third quarter. That's when Oklahoma's offense kind of you know took their foot off the gas and tried to shorten the game is that kind of the sense you got as well yeah I that and also I I, I didn't think the offense yesterday was particularly sharp uh, at least up to their standards uh, there were some throws that Baker definitely missed um there was one down the seam to Mark Andrews that I that I particularly remember that Baker kind of overshot him by by a couple yards um you know, I, I I thought TCU's defense played really well for the most part especially in the front seven um, not a lot of running room for Rodney yesterday um, at all I, I really do think the Sooners really had to had to earn everything they got yesterday, and um, the good thing about that is that I, I think personnel wise, I think TCU TCU's defense is about as uh, as well you know stocked to to stop OU as as anyone in the country because they they're they're built kind of more on a, a, a small speed uh, defense, whereas uh, against Georgia here and here in a month, it, it's going to be more of your typical SEC, a big, you know, 240, 250 pound linebackers on the edges, uh, more like that. Um, you know, I, I, I'm just not really going to be too upset about a, you know, a game where you have 460 yards and you score 41 points, but I, I, I think the OU offense can play a lot better. Um, I, I think there were some, some plays that they missed and I, and I, I thought, Really, the the offensive line wasn't as sharp as they can be. I thought they were really good in pass protection. 
Um, but TCU obviously schemed really hard to stop the run, and I, I think they did for the most part. Um, and I think that kind of put the Sooners behind schedule a little bit. Um, they had a lot more, you know, second and longs and third and longs in this game than they did that first time around. But you know, that's to be accept, uh, you know, expected. This is a top ten. This is a TCU defense that is still a top ten caliber defense. Um, you know, when they see Oklahoma for the second time, I, I think it's it's fair to expect that they were going to have some of their successes, and, and they did. They did. They, I I think it was probably the weakest performance of of OU's offense this year personally speaking i mean it's still to this to this day the only team to hold oklahoma down to under 30 was texas and and i still i mean i think texas's defense i mean we, we argued about this a couple weeks ago you know texas defense hasn't had much to play for the last half of the season because they've lost a lot of games but i i think i you know i think texas's defense and tcu's defense are very comparable and and we saw in that Cotton Bowl, and, and yeah, sure, the rivalry aspect of that game too is another reason probably why Texas was able to hold Oklahoma down a little bit more that day. Uh, but point being is Oklahoma. It's not like Oklahoma hasn't faced good defenses this year. They faced TCU now twice, and Texas is really good defense. And oh, by the way, back in September, Oklahoma faced a top ten defense in Ohio State. So um, I thought it was kind of fun to watch Gary Patterson on the sidelines and and you know he's always pretty animated but he looked extra flustered on Saturday and, and I don't blame him that's tough man I mean he that was the second time I mean he probably thought he had a pretty good idea of how he wanted to defend the Sooners in that game and it just it didn't matter it didn't matter and and he had a quote after the game if I can see if I can find it. I guess he said Gary Patterson said quote whoever gets the opportunity to play against Oklahoma have fun <laughs> yeah I mean and clearly a little, a little sarcastic there with, I mean, he's a defensive guy and he, he didn't know how to figure it out or he didn't know how to stop Oklahoma. And so he's saying, yep, go ahead. You know, whoever has a chance that best of luck to you. And I mean, that's, I mean, that's true. I mean, you, you can scheme all day if you want, but, but one of the funny things is about when you go up against the Sooners, you can, you can almost scheme perfectly. And sometimes it still doesn't matter um, because you still have to have, you know, you still have to win the the individual one-on-one battles and, and, and OU is just, has just proven time and time, this year that they just that they have so many guys they can go to um they can hurt you in so many different they can hurt you in every way basically and you know they, they have so much speed and they have so much depth i mean you see just you see michael jones who's the fifth wide receiver on the team you know he's got he, he has a long touchdown yesterday it's uh it's just you know next man up everyone can hurt you on this offense and and it's one of those things where, where i don't think a defense is going to realize kind of what they're going up against until that game starts and you realize how fast they're running around and and how much they get you thinking and not and not reacting and it's uh I man I cannot wait to watch this offense against Georgia that's going to be so much fun can we quickly talk about uh how awesome Lincoln Riley is at calling plays and this is this really stood out to me first drive of the game and this is going to be a little quick film time with Lee not quite as in-depth film time, but just kind of more of an observation. First drive of the game, Oklahoma has the football, and they get to that fourth down and one. And, you know, Lincoln Riley all season long, you and I love it. He's super aggressive. He likes to go for it on fourth down. And what does he call? He calls like a, a an option for Baker Mayfield that ended up kind of being a triple option kind of look, or not necessarily a triple option, but kind of like a, a, a delayed speed option where he – Baker ended up pitching it out to Anderson and Anderson was able to pick up the first down easily. I mean, 
just the difference between Lincoln Riley and a bunch of other offensive coaches in college football and just football in general, how many coaches, Grant, would have just lined up and said, oh, well, let's just run it right up the middle and just tell our offensive line to get a push and get one yard. And honestly, Oklahoma probably could have done that, and it may have worked, but the play that Riley called had a lot higher of a success chance, and it was proven by how easy it was to get the first down. I just, it's, I love that the team that I like to root for is that creative on offense. Look for uh, maybe in the playoff or against Georgia or, or maybe a potential national championship, even on, on that same play, look for uh, maybe a, a reverse in the future with that too, a pitch to the running back on the outside and then a reverse back to a to a receiver um, that's going in motion. Don't don't be surprised if you see something like that. I think he's, he's maybe setting that up. Um, which you know wouldn't surprise me. And one of the one of the cool things that you know from that game, Lee, is that I, if if I recall, that was really the only wrinkle I, I remember from the game on Saturday. Other than that, it seemed like it was pretty much business as usual on offense. I want to say they might have ran a a reverse at one point. I could have. Well, they've ran making that up. Yeah, my head, but they. I mean, they've, they've they've shown some reverses this year. That's in the playbook. Yeah. Okay. So. Like, you, by wrinkle, you mean like something that we we really haven't yeah, seen. Yeah, we, we yet, hadn't. I, I don't. I don't. Okay. I don't think we have, we'd seen that play yet. The, no, it's, it's possible no. that we have, and it, he just you know, it's been a different read. But I, for the most part, I, I don't think we've seen that play. Um, and you know, he's going to have some stuff. Uh, you know, with oh, with yeah. four weeks, there's no doubt about he, it. He's going to have some really interesting stuff. Um, I I would say you know really expect, especially on that first drive against Georgia, really expect to see a, a, a very, you know, scripted drive, one, you know, an, an efficient one, one very much like you saw against Ohio State when they were in Columbus, I would, but, you know, that, that that's getting, you know, way ahead of ourselves, but. Yeah, we'll have plenty of time to talk yeah. about, obviously. Uh, uh, real quick, though, also on, on Lincoln Riley, on Sunday when he had his, his press availability after it was announced that Oklahoma was in the playoff, something came up that I, it, it's fascinating to me. Apparently, before the season started, Riley invited the Georgia offensive coaches, or I, I can't remember if you said he invited them in to practice or they talked on the phone. And so basically, Riley has like given advice to Georgia's offensive coaches in the preseason. <laughs> he said that on Sunday, and he had a joke at the end of it saying, well, hopefully I, I gave him some pretty bad advice. I, Isn't that weird? I think that's pretty, I think that's pretty normal, though. I remember back in... Um a handful of years ago, I remember Stoops and the staff went and and were at Alabama for a couple of days, kind of watching practice and stuff like that. I think that's fairly common amongst uh, amongst coaches. It may be common. It's just it's just funny now, considering that's the team that Oklahoma has to get by in order to have a chance to win a national championship. That that the the one thing that Oklahoma is better at than everybody else in college football, they they gave some pointers apparently to Georgia, the team they're going to go up against, a, a team that's. Just, uh, I mean, they're they're not bad at offense, but it's they're certainly not the same level as Oklahoma. So George is really <laughs> that's uh, that's George is really good on offense. Yeah. There, I I would say, in terms of effectiveness, they're probably similar to uh, uh, a West Virginia. I, I would say in terms of effectiveness. So it's it's not uh, obviously they they're going to do it differently. It's it's going to be on the ground more so than the air. But it, it, it's a good offense for sure. It's it, it's certainly not the best they've seen this year. Um, but but it's it's a good offense. They they have some really dynamic players, mostly in the backfield, uh, with Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle. Um, stop those guys, and you you win basically. So that's I mean that's that's right. good to know going yeah, into we'll, the game we'll, for sure. We'll we'll go so far in depth on all that in the weeks to come. 
Uh, I, I still want to talk though more about Oklahoma's offense. A, a couple plays, just I, I found it. If you remember back to the the preview show last week going in, you know how was TCU going to stop Oklahoma? And I kind of figured we might see some of the Iowa State type scheme where they rush three, try to drop eight, and prevent the big play. Well, what happened? One the the one time TCU did that against Oklahoma, the very first play of the second half of the Sooners. And it totally backfired on the Horn Frogs. Break, uh, Mayfield had plenty of time to throw. Great route by Michael Jones. Little out and then an in, streaking up the field on a streak. And he he beat Bozen. And it was just off to the races. Boom. Was it 55 yards? And and we never saw TCU rush three and drop eight again the rest of the night. So it's just it's incredible what Oklahoma can do. If you want to do something differently defensively, Lincoln Riley, Baker Mayfield and company, they have – a way to counteract that and that's what we saw on that play yeah I, I mean I think it's um and I think on, on that Michael Jones play too where he was in man there too with with Michael wasn't he uh Bozen was no no it was you know he just dropped into it his was zone. he dropped into his own okay well I, I I just thought I mean just again just the the quick strike nature of the offense in the second half and that that's just kind of what they've been all year it's I I think um the Sooners really, for the most, I mean, it, it kind of felt like in the first half that TCU almost slowed down the Sooners a little bit in that, you know, in the first half, even though they, they really didn't for the most part. So it was just nice to see them coming out in the second half and they scored, you know, they scored twice in their first three plays of the second half. Um, just shows you I, being able, if, if, if they can get, you know, one guy just, you know, singled up on whoever they want on the offense, just how easy it is for them to score, uh, that Marquise Brown touchdown being the one, you know, that sticks out in my mind where it was just, you know, Baker takes a snap, a couple, a couple steps back and then Marquise Brown makes his move and then he goes and it's, it's over already. It was already over when, you know, before the ball was even in the air. So uh, that just kind of shows you where, you know, how, how difficult they are to defend and, you know, how if, if you're not, you know, lining up perfectly every time and you're not, you know, keeping track of everybody on on the other side of the field, how just, you know, one time like that and just, just one move and Brown is gone. And that's that's just what this offense is now. It's just so difficult to defend. Oklahoma continues to beat you in different ways offensively. On Saturday, it was Marquise Brown and Michael Jones through the air, a little bit of Mark Andrews as well. There's times during the broadcast where the color commentator, uh, who um, the former Oregon quarterback, who was it? Oh, what's his name? Um, played for the Lions, Joey Harrington. Joey Harrington, right? He was the color guy, wasn't he? Uh, it was Brady Quinn was the color guy. Brady Quinn, sorry. I had, I had the wrong. Okay, my bad. Brady Quinn. Joey, I don't know how I got them mixed up. Uh, Brady Quinn, uh, at least they both played quarterback in college and a little bit in the NFL too. He, he kept talking about, oh, uh, when's CeeDee Lamb going to do something? It's like, well, I mean, C.D. Lamb didn't really need to do anything in that game, and obviously T.C.U. was trying to take C.D. Lamb away. Uh, T.C.U. tried to do their best to take away Rodney Anderson because Anderson was able to burn him so badly in the first game. And Oklahoma threw the football a lot to Anderson in that first game because Anderson was able to beat man-to-man coverage against a linebacker, was able to beat cover-two coverage over the middle with a linebacker, and he didn't even catch a pass on Saturday. So he was – it's just Oklahoma did something differently. They, they changed their game plan, and – they went to Michael Jones. They went to Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, the old reliable, and and so it's just it just shows you how difficult it is to prepare for this Oklahoma offense, and that's why Gary Patterson is 
was so frustrated, I'm sure. And they can beat you in so many ways. And that, I mean, that doesn't even mention the fact that, you know, they can, they can bring Jeff Bidette in off the bench and he's, he's going to outrun everyone on your defense too. There's just, uh, just a lot of options. I, I, I just, I, I don't really know, you know, outside of just catching them on a, on, on a bad day. I, I, I don't know how you stop these guys. Um, it, it, it's going to take a really, really special effort, um, from from one of those other three teams in the playoff field to stop this offense on a consistent basis, it, it really is. I I don't think I don't think a lot of people understand that yet, and I I, I figure a lot of people will start to understand that on on January first. But you know, I digress. Of course, I, I go you know back into the Rose Bowl again. Can you tell I'm excited? Yeah, I can tell. I mean, it's nice to know Oklahoma's un, unbeaten in the Rose Bowl, which we'll have to, we'll have time to talk about that. Obviously, moving forward. So that's Oklahoma TCU, Oklahoma Big 12 champs yet again, but who cares about that? The main thing is the national championship. Big 12 titles, couldn't care less. I care about national championships because that's the standard at Oklahoma, and it's been, it's been too long since the last one. So in order to win the national championship, Oklahoma had to make the playoff, and the Sooners did, and that playoff is set. Number one, Clemson. Number two, Oklahoma. Number three, Georgia. And number four, Alabama, Grant. Did they get it right? I don't think so, actually. I, I'm, I, I'm, just, I'm not a huge fan of the. I, call me a purist or something like this. I, I, I just don't like the idea uh, of of someone being in the playoff field that didn't win their conference. I, I am that type of person. Just to me, I, it, it logically just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I, I think you know if you're. I, that just speaks to me. You may disagree. That's fine. Um, just logically, it makes sense to me that if you can't even win your own division, it doesn't logically make sense for you to be able to advance onto the you know the playoff to win the national championship. Um, I, I, I've sort of evolved on that. In fact, I was in I think I was in Ohio State's camp last year, but I uh, I think I've kind of backtracked on that now. I think I, I got that one wrong. I think Penn State deserved to get in last year uh, over Ohio State. Um, uh, just a weird situation, especially this year. And I know last year it was a lot different because Ohio State probably had the best resume in the country last year, um, making it a little easier on the committee. This year, I, I still just don't see Alabama. They just don't have much of a resume. And, and I'm assuming that it was that 31-point loss at Iowa that just stuck in their minds too much, and they just couldn't forgive it. Even though Ohio State, I, I thought, you know, had had a much much better uh, resume in terms of who they who they've beaten this year, which I think that's all you can go off of, and I think that's what you should go off of. Um, I don't know, and, and plus I I just I feel just kind of dirty and weird that that Alabama is allowed to play Mercer um, late in November. That just doesn't seem right to me. Um, like I said, you you, you know there, you can disagree with me. There's I, I think there's compelling cases to make for Alabama, but but I I just. It just doesn't feel right to me, and I and part of me thinks that Clemson it kind of got hosed there too, uh, because I think, you know, they were going to get hosed either way because they were going to play a really good team as the four seed anyway. Uh, but it's just uh, I don't know. I I I'm at the point now where I'm I, I don't really know what the, the criteria is to get into the playoff. It, it's slightly confusing to me. I mean, yeah. There's as long as there's four teams. It's, it's going to be confusing, and I think, weirdly, as long as there's four teams, it actually is an argument that you don't have to win your conference title. Like it, it's at, To me, it actually makes – it's a legitimate argument to say that you don't necessarily have to win your conference title to make the playoff because there's so few teams, because every single year, no matter what, at least one team is going to win it, win their conference, and still not make it. So, you know, 
now if you expanded it and then you all the conference t- champions then made it then obviously it's logical for the conference champions to make the playoff so in a weird way i think it actually it, it, it there's a legitimate argument to be had that just because you don't win your conference doesn't mean you shouldn't make the playoff uh but honestly it, it to me it comes down to are you more of a who did you beat guy or are you more of a how many losses do you have guy and honestly i don't even know which one i am because i i think the two losses looks bad i I think two losses next to your name looks bad but then you could also turn it around and say well alabama didn't even get a chance to lose a second game because they didn't even play this past weekend who's to say if alabama plays what if they would have lost they didn't have a chance to play. Yeah, I, I just and, I, I think there's some logical holes in that reasoning with the losses. Because with that logic, why isn't UCF the number one team in the country? Uh, why is uh, why is Wisconsin out? Why wasn't Wisconsin part of that conversation? Um, if we're just talking about losses, I I, I I I get it, and I think that's that's a really easy but but a little too simplistic way of looking at everything. Because you can play that game all day long. Um, because I think that the best rebuttal to that is, you know, if somebody says, you know, Alabama's got that one loss, you know, UCF has zero losses. Why aren't they up there? So, well, at that point, then it it comes down to, I mean, it's power five versus group of five, and it's just a schedule. Y- so, I mean, but but in, in any other year, you can make that. But I think your point is that this year Alabama's schedule is not particularly difficult. So that's why it's so kind of heads. It's it's puzzling because um, it's. I mean, let's be honest, like. This is just because it's Alabama. I mean, the entire year they've gotten the benefit of the doubt by being number one because the the brand. I mean, eyeball test. This is this has not been the best Alabama team, um, but they've happened to be undefeated, so it's been easy to keep them at number one. Yeah, and so and then once they were at five and not farther back after losing to Auburn, it's just. Uh, Oh, again, I mean, Ohio State needed to drub Wisconsin. If, if Ohio State would have beaten Wisconsin by four or five touchdowns, Ohio State would be in the playoff right now. They would have gotten in. I, I think there's no doubt about that uh, because I, they would have been impressive. I, I don't know if but we can. the fact that they struggle with it. With the, here, here's the reason. The fact that they struggle with a team like Wisconsin. And let's be honest, Wisconsin, even though Wisconsin was four, it was a four with an asterisk because nobody really thought Wisconsin was the fourth best team in the country. The Badgers were there because of the undefeated record, but everybody knew that the record came against a garbage schedule. So the fact that Ohio State was inconsistent and barely beat a Wisconsin team that, honestly, the committee didn't think was all that great and the nation didn't think was all that great, consi- you know, based on the standard of a playoff team, you're going to get left out because you, you didn't get the job done. I don't know if we can say that for sure, though. I mean, I, that's that's a hypothetical situation. I, I guess I, I just have I have some issues with just the logical consistency of some of the you know you have to find just the four best teams argument. Whereas I I I'm more err to the side of I think we should be choosing the four most deserving teams because I think that's all we can go off of is the results. And I I do think Alabama is one of the four best teams in the country. I really do. But I also think Alabama has pretty much been the best team in the country for about nine consecutive years in college football, and they haven't won the national championship every single year. Uh, you, you still have to play the games. I, there's been years where Alabama, I thought, was was almost obviously the best team in the country, and they didn't even play in the national championship game. Um, so I, I, I guess I, you can argue it in, in a lot of roundabout ways, and I, I, I guess in the sense that is Alabama one of the four best teams? I think they are. And them being in the playoff, I guess in that sense is there's a justification for it. Um, 
but I, I just don't think that they, they had a lot of opportunities this year to really be challenged. Um, and they really weren't. And the one time they really were uh, really, really challenged, they lost, and they lost pretty convincingly. Um, and I know you can come right back with Ohio State and say, hey, you know, they, they choked and lost by 30 on the road at Iowa. I get it, and I think, I, I think that's, that's your best argument for leaving Ohio State out of the playoff. Because uh, other than that, and, you know, going up against better competition, Ohio State has, has just played better teams this year. I think that's, that's unequivocally true. Um, and Ohio State, I think, has, has looked better and more dominant on more occasions than Alabama has. So uh, personal preference for me, I, I would have taken Ohio State. I, I think that was the right thing to do. Um, committee disagreed, and I, I think there are some, some compelling arguments that, that, that back that up, but it, it just feels dirty to me. I, and I'm, I, I don't know. I, I, I just don't like it that much. I, again, I, I don't really – first of all, I don't really care because Oklahoma did their job and Oklahoma's in and Oklahoma has a better resume than everybody with the exception you can make the argument that Clemson's resume is is it, I think it's 1A 1B between Clemson and Oklahoma as far as resumes go. So ultimately I don't care, but I don't feel bad for Ohio State because on, again, I go back to what I said 3 minutes ago. Ohio State would have been in the playoff if they would have blown out Wisconsin. There was precedent for that 3 years ago when they just boat raced Wisconsin and got in over TCU and Baylor when they shouldn't have gotten in because the committee was so impressed by that big that Big Ten destruction they had of Wisconsin and they're like okay let's get them in if they would have blown out an undefeated Wisconsin team and looked dominant they'd have been in so they had their chance to be in the playoff as far as I'm concerned and they struggled against a team that I think Oklahoma would have beaten by three or four touchdowns uh, I think Clemson would have beaten by two to three to four touchdowns and I think Georgia would beat Wisconsin I think it'd be an ugly game thing is I and I think Alabama would probably beat Wisconsin by two three four touchdowns as well and Ohio State struggled and almost uh, you know they had to make a stop on the last you know drive in the last in the fourth quarter to to preserve the win against uh, an Ohio uh, Wisconsin offense that isn't particularly very good and a Wisconsin defense that had not been challenged all year long and yet they only were able to score 27 points. So I, I don't feel bad for Ohio State. I think the Buckeyes had their shot, and they, they didn't beat Wisconsin bad enough. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't want this to come off as maybe I'm complaining. I, I'm not. I, I, if you would have asked me my preference, I would have preferred, you know, just as an Oklahoma fan, that Alabama gets in because, I mean, honestly, I'm I was scared to death of playing Ohio State again potentially. So, and, and I think, and if, I, I would assume most Sooner fans feel the same way. If they don't, they're probably lying. Um, so, I don't know. I, I, I would have much rather as a Sooner fan see Alabama in the field, so I'm happy about that. Um, but it's still, to me, it just doesn't seem right. The Just the idea that they were able to lose their last game and just kind of sit out conference championship weekend with no uh, just uh, no downside whatsoever. No, they were No way to lose. Yeah, yeah no way to no lose. No chance to lose. That, yeah. that, just, that, that feels wrong to me. Um, and it just doesn't really it, – it, it's, not, it's not fair is what it is. It just wasn't fair. Well, the NCAA and the the BCS and the playoff committee—I mean, it's all on them. I mean, they set this up. I mean, they knew what they were gonna—they knew what they were doing when they they decided to call this a playoff, and they basically just made it a plus one. I mean, yeah, is this better than it was before? Of course it is, because now at least four teams get a chance as opposed to two teams. Oh wow, four teams. So and, and I guess more 
to put our the end to the playoff discussion for now. I just I I am so annoyed by by those who make the argument that the playoff is good at four and that this is why we should not expand expand the playoff because everybody's resume after four or even at three or four is just not very good. I those people just bother the the crap out of me and they just have such a such a myopic look and feel to their life and it just I don't understand there's zero logic by, behind that and I just think anybody who argues that the playoff is good at four it should not be expanded guess what you're the same guy who said the BCS was fine at just the top two teams you're probably the same guy that said we didn't even need a playoff or any sort of BCS system and you're cool with the original college football where heck we didn't even know what the heck the national championship game was it was just like Kind, like there was split national champions because we had no system for it. I mean, that's you're basically that guy or that girl, and I just think that's such a s- terrible take. And I wanted to vent about it right here. And and you know, Grant, you, you're probably one of those that likes to play off a four, don't you? You want to keep her at a four? No, I've I'm a I'm <laughs> I'm a heavy proponent of a 2014 playoff, which I realize will never happen. Um, but no, I'm I'm all for eight. I think eight is is the right step. Um, Anything to make this this playoff bigger is is always going to be a net positive for college football, always. Um, in in terms of eyes, viewership, and then of course the most important part to them, which is you know that dollar figure. Um, any 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 time they expand, there's going to just be more money in the pot, um, which is why it's definitely going to happen. Um, we're we're still probably you know five ten years away from it expanding, but I. I think eight is going to be good, and then once people get a taste of eight, you know, eight or nine years of eight teams, people are going to be like, "Ooh, I, I wouldn't be upset if we go to sixteen, and you know, et cetera, et cetera." Um, I, I do think that is in our future, though. We'll make it happen because because the consumer is going to want it. People are going to start to realize that these playoff games are a lot of fun, even when you do, you know, even maybe when you do water down the field a little bit, because it's still going to have that aura of it. You just never know what's going to happen. And these still are all going to be, you know, even if you do expand it, these are still all going to be, you know, top 15, top 20 caliber teams, you know, who on any given day can can beat anybody. So um, I, I, I think we'll get there eventually. But, you know, where we are right now, it's it's still exciting that, you know, that January 1st, the, the, the back-to-back games, the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, that's going to be great TV. Um, and, and I think everyone, you know, once once it's pitched that you know you can have this but you can double it you can have more games i think people are going to be on board with that eventually people just need to get used to it and, and i think we'll get there i bet all the people that say the four teams are the perfect number i bet all those people also like the NCAA men's basketball tournament by their logic they'd be happy if the NCAA men's basketball tournament was just like the top eight teams or something and in 64 i guess that was at 68 now like basically they're by the same logic they would think it's it's even better for college basketball if just the eight best college basketball teams got into the tournament and that was it well i mean like how ridiculously I don't know if stupid is that so that's I mean, that's not that's, that's not the same that's, that's the, the same, same logic, logic. I mean, they're different sports uh but sure i mean the i i, I understand the arguments for keeping it at the four they the i understand the, the you know it'll devalue the regular season argument because i used to be that guy and i, I i've kind of looked more into it now and i i think I don't think that that's an argument that really has has a very compelling argument, but you know, the thing is though the whole devalue the regular season guy. If you're still making that, making that argument, do you think the teams that you know make that playoff do they give a crap and the fan bases cr- give a crap if the regular season was devalued? No, because now they're in the real season where they have a chance to win it all, and you have more of an opportunity to win it all, and those games would be even more exciting. 
And, and, and it wouldn't devalue the regular season. I mean, it would still make games important. You still got to win a lot more games than you lose. And just the last the last point too. the I, I made this point on Twitter on Saturday. The FCF playoff FCS playoffs, 24 teams. Second round was this past Saturday, Grant. That means the top eight seeds had gotten a bye in the first round. So the top eight seeds now after a bye were playing in the second round. So there's 16 teams left. Guess what? Weber State knocked off eight-seeded Southern Utah, 30-13. to 13. You think Weber State didn't belong in the playoffs? They knocked off the eight-seed. Let's see. There's New Hampshire knocked off Central Arkansas. Central Arkansas was the four-seed, 21-15. to 15. And also, Kennesaw State knocked off the, uh, the third-seeded team, Jacksonville State. There was three upsets on Saturday in the FCF pl FCS playoffs. Can you imagine... When it got to the, the second round of an FBS playoff, you telling me there's not going to be any upsets in that? All the top seeds, the top eight seeds are going to win every single year? Of course not. There's going to be upsets. That's the whole. That's why it's fun. You're going to give these lower seeded teams a chance to win it all. And it's so exciting. It's just it's this is so easy and it's just common sense to me. Yeah, I, I think so too. But you know, there's there's a lot of red tape that goes into it, and I think right now we should. But there shouldn't okay, be. But there shouldn't be, and that's I, the problem. But, but to bring up that and say there shouldn't be red tape, I think that's naive because of, co of course there is. You know, there's contracts. It can't be. Well, it's naive because it's, there's there's adults that don't want to get things done. I mean, that's just. I don't know if it's it it's not it's not that simple. I I think it's naive to think it's that simple. But no, it is. It is. No, it's not. You can't. I mean, they could have expanded the playoff to more than fourteen. You can't just snap to. your just, fingers and no. make it happen. It doesn't work that way. If people in charge wanted to do that, no. like not seriously, when there's, not when there's hundreds of millions of dollars at stake. There, there, it's it's not a snap your finger proposition. It just isn't. It it's it's more it's more than than you're making it out to be. I, I don't know. I just it's just it's just incompetence at the highest level, and people. We're don't at the care. point right now where they don't care enough. Yeah, about it yes, do. they do. Of course, they care about the money. No, they don't. I, I'm, no, they care about the money, but they don't. They they care more about keeping the status quo and not changing things more than they care about actually making the college football product better you know i i disagree with that i i, I think i think college football has shown I, I know college football you're basically saying the ncaa is like smart well, no the ncaa has nothing to do with the college football playoff they don't do anything with the college football playoff it's a it's a total it's like a corporation that runs it so i well, they have to sign off on it, though. They have to be okay sure, with but, it. Though. And so, I, I don't know. Are you arguing for the NCAA to take control of this thing because they've shown themselves to be totally incompetent in the past? I'm just saying. Well, ironically, it, the NCAA runs a pretty good basketball tournament, and they run a pretty good FCS football tournament. Sure. I mean, if you want to make that argument, I think that's valid. I, I'm just saying, Division One college football has shown a propensity for just being a slow evolving sport. It always has been. They had that old bull system for you know how many years, you know, decades and decades. And then, you know, we, we changed it a little bit. We went to something slightly different with the BCS. Um, everyone kind of got a taste of that and realized that, hey, we can do better than this. And then, hey, let's go in baby steps to the 14 playoff, which is basically just essentially the plus one that you mentioned. And I think it's, it's, we're going to continue on that path. It's baby steps and baby steps. That's just how college football is. And there's no reason we don't need to, we don't need to sprint to the finish, uh, the finish line there. This is a sport that has always taken its time and adapting, and it, and it will continue to do so. We are going to see a bigger playoff than four. Um, I think right now we just need to be... Sure, but my, my point is there's no reason for it to yeah, take this long. I, I, I'm just... You know, I'm, that's, that's my fine. point. That's a... 
and it's dumb because like people are going to get older, people are going to freaking die, and they're not going to get to see as much awesome college football as they could have because people are dragging their feet. That's what I'm that's mad a, about. That's a it's there's no reason to drag your feet, but they do. That's anyways. a fine point to make. That's fine, but to me, to me, your argument amounts to just old man yelling at clouds. To me, that, that I, I I'm 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 not how? trying to argue one way. I'm I'm just trying to tell you how it is, and there's it's it's almost to the. I and know how point, it is, and that's and what there's I'm no mad about. reason to be mad about it, because it's just how it is, and it's not going to change. Well, my if if more people with influence would bring up and raise awareness of it and bring it out there and put some pressure on people that actually mattered, then I think it would change quicker. But you know, I don't have any influence. You don't have any then influence. It's, it's going. It's going to uh, come know. down to the consumer once they are. Once they are completely, uh, completely convinced that that expanding the playoff is going to mean more money, which it will, uh, then then they'll do it. But not until then. You know, I I, I think the contract on the fourteen playoff comes up in a few years. You never know. They might they might revisit it then, and we might go to eight then, and that's just a few years. Right. So I I, I, I understand right. that that the I understand that it would be a heated. really exciting thing. But just just be patient. We'll we'll get there eventually. I'm tired. It's okay. Let's let's move on. Well, well, yeah, we uh, we have we have a we have a question. We have a, a listener question to answer before we talk about Oklahoma, Georgia, and this is playoff related. And I want to thank all of you who sent questions in. This question is from Dalton. Dalton is from Fox, Oklahoma. And he asks, he says, hey, guys, at the beginning of the last episode, you made a statement about this year's Big 12 championship game and how it how it's pointless. I agree it's flawed and we are in a huge need for expansion so we can have divisions. My question is, if we don't have the game and we are sitting here 11 and 1 and Alabama is 11 and 1, would the committee try and talk Alabama over Oklahoma? Hmm. So basically what Dalton's asking is that if Oklahoma did not have this uh, this Big 12 championship game this past Saturday and the season was over, would now on Sunday, would the committee have tried to then put Alabama in over Oklahoma? Now, okay, let's just for argument's sake, let's let's say Wisconsin beats Ohio State. So Wisconsin's the big the Big Ten champ. Wisconsin's in, so that spot's taken, and then Clemson, and then you got Georgia. So basically, for the sake of the question, it'd come down to Oklahoma as a Big Twelve champion and Alabama eleven and one, not in the SEC championship. Uh, I just I, there's there's no way, as far as I'm concerned, that they would be able to put Alabama in over Ho- Oklahoma as a Big Twelve champ with a better resume than than Alabama. I just I don't I don't think that would have happened. I think there would have been people probably trying to argue it, but I don't think there would have been any sort of compelling argument for it. Um, in that situation, you're talking about uh, com- the committee uses the, the term comparable, and I, and I suppose you could, you could say these teams are comparable, and then you start just going through everything. Uh, Oklahoma would have had a, the conference championship that Alabama would not have had. Oklahoma would have had um, three wins that were better uh, than Alabama's best win, um, and I and I would argue that, and and that that's going by their rankings too, because by, you know using that logic, the Oklahoma State losses or the Oklahoma State win is actually not as good as Alabama's win over LSU, which everyone knows that's not true. So you know you'd say Oklahoma would have four wins better than Alabama's best win. Um, I think there would have been people probably trying to argue it, but there would have been no conceivable way in which the the committee would have been able to do that rationally, if if that answers your question. I, I think that there definitely would have been people arguing it, but there's no way those arguments would have been particularly credible or compelling. 
Yeah, I think you summed it up really well there. And uh, that's a great question from Dalton. And uh, we really appreciate you sending in your question. And, and we hope that uh, that answer is, is kind of what you're looking for. Um, Dalton, if, if you have your thoughts, because you didn't really give your thoughts on, on what you thought on that. So if, if you want to chime back in and, and tell us if, if, if you think they would have taken Oklahoma or Alabama, go ahead. We'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll read those thoughts. But again, thanks for the question. We appreciate that. Now on to the Rose Bowl game. Oklahoma's taken on Georgia, and we've we've briefly touched on it a little bit during this podcast, and we have an entire month roughly to talk about it. But just, Grant, what are your initial, your first thoughts when you kind of realize that Oklahoma was going to face off against Georgia? That was the Sooners' next opponent. What are your first thoughts on the matter? My first thought is, is honestly, I think it's just a really cool matchup. Um, this is going to be the very first matchup in the history of Oklahoma and Georgia. They never played each other. Um, and so for it to happen at the Rose Bowl, um, I think is really cool. Um, my first thoughts are, I, I think for the most part, Georgia is a pretty one-dimensional team. Um, I, I, I know Jake Fromm is not bad. Jake Fromm, you know, has a lot of talent. He was a five-star recruit. Um, Jake Fromm can beat you, but very rarely can he beat you, um, you know, when he's not throwing on his own terms, um, you know, so if they can if they can get Georgia into you know second and long third and long that's that's you know going to be where they want to keep them. Um, the Sooners have seen a handful of better offenses this year. I, I think you're you're probably going to see a, an offense that um, at its core is probably most similar to uh, like I said in effectiveness to West Virginia. So I'm obviously doing it more on the ground, and so it, it, it's this is a game that's going to be about can. What do you mean by West Virginia, though? Because the way, I mean, schematically, West Virginia and Georgia are nothing I mean, alike. I mean effectiveness in the terms like this is, in the sense that I th- I would, I think, you know, West Virginia, if I had to rank their offense in the country, it'd be, you know, between, you know, between the 10th and 20th best offenses in the country. And I think that's kind of where Georgia is. I'm just trying to put it on a plane. I, I think... I think offenses that the Sooners have faced this year that are better than Georgia are Ohio State, um, Oklahoma State, obviously, um, a lot of other good teams too. I, this is it, this is not going to be something where where the Sooners are going in facing a team that they can just tee off on. This is a this is a really good Georgia offense. They have some weapons, um, but it's not something that they that they cannot handle. They if if they come in with a good game plan and they play well, they can have some success against this Georgia offense. Um, especially if they can get them behind the chains. And I think that's going to be the key to the game on defense. Um, putting them behind the chains, making Fromm beat you on third and long, I think is going to be the, the big thing. I, I really want to see if this if this Georgia um, offensive line can hold up um, against the Big 12 defensive line, especially if you know they have you know longer route concepts. And I, I think that's been one of the big issues for SEC teams going against OU in the past is um, – running plays you know where they where they that take a long time to develop and and the Sooners generally can get home a lot faster so we'll, we'll see I, I I'm really excited I think I think there's going to be a lot of Georgia fans a lot of SEC people who are who are kind of surprised um that this defense maybe isn't as bad as they think it is um but obviously I, th- I think I think they're going to be they're going to be really surprised by just the speed and the efficiency of the OU offense I think every team that faces them um that's going to be the case so my initial thought was, and I tweeted this out, I said, just quick reaction to this is Oklahoma's offense has seen a defense this year that's similar to Georgia's defense, and that's TCU, and they've seen TCU twice. But also I can promise that Georgia's defense has not seen an offense anywhere near 
the caliber as Oklahoma's offense. And as, as you would expect, I've I've gotten a couple uh, comments back uh, through on Twitter from no doubt some Georgia fans and supporters that think that's ridiculous and, and think it's ridiculous to compare Georgia's defense and TCU's defense. Uh, the numbers would say that that's not ridiculous. Uh, they, I, I think Georgia's defense is better. I don't think it's much better than TCU's defense. Uh, and I think they, they certainly are very comparable. On the other hand, Georgia's defense has not seen an offense anywhere near as good as Oklahoma's. The best ones they've seen is Auburn and Missouri. And that was early in the year when Missouri wasn't really clicking. And honestly, I think Missouri, I was looking more, and I'll look more into this as, as we have a month to prepare. Missouri bracked up all of its stats in the last like six or seven games against really bad defenses. The best defense they'd played in the last six games, I think, is Florida. And that was when Florida was an absolute mess when uh, they ended up firing McIlwain, and it was just a disaster there. So uh, not saying Georgia's got a bad defense. Of course, Georgia's got a really good defense. But um, that's my first thought. And secondly, I just of all the four teams in the playoff, this is definitely the best draw Oklahoma could have hoped for, I think, for a semifinal matchup. Of yeah, I mean, yeah, I I I I'm still of the opinion. I I I I personally think Clemson is the worst team in the field. Um, I, I think a lot of people think I'm crazy for thinking that, but I, they just are. They're just not particularly dynamic on offense. Um, they 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 weren't against Miami. They they str- Grant Clemson's better on offense than Georgia's. False, Georgia. completely false. It's just not no. Le- Clemson can do a lot more. Kelly Bryant can do a lot more and scare a defense more than Jake Fromm. Clemson only averaged about four and a half yards per play against Miami. Uh, their their offense can be Clemson's offense can be shut down, can actually be shut down. Like I, Clemson was has not been that particularly successful on offense this year. They they really feed off their defense. Clemson's a lot closer to Wisconsin right. in offensive quality than than Georgia is. I. I I'm I'm just saying I I, I Clemson Clemson is is as advertised on defense. They don't have a national championship offense. They just don't. All right. Well, Grant, we'll have plenty of time. I know I sound like a broken record. I've said this a million times during this show. Again, we'll have plenty of time throughout the next month to talk about this. Um, nice. So Oklahoma's in the playoff. Sooners are here. That's exactly where we want them to be. That's our show. Grant and I will be back on Thursday like we normally are, but without any Oklahoma game to talk about upcoming this week, and we'll have to find some other topics to discuss. So send your questions in as well for the Q&A segment. Again, that's westofeverest at gmail.com. And until Thursday, Grant and I will kind of plan out the next month and figure out what we're going to do with each show and whether or not we might we might drop back to one show a week until we get kind of closer to the the playoff that's maybe though that's not set in stone so grant and i will discuss that so until then for grant i am lee this is west of everest